johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. Well, guys, I am back with another edition of Sports Insider Radio. We are rocking and rolling here. It is hard to believe we are one week away from getting closer to your Baltimore Ravens marching down the field. I got a lot to talk about today related to the psychology of sports wagering, stuff that I just don't have the time to cover on the Pick Dogs YouTube channel, uh, Costi. So uh, without further ado, uh, how excited are you? And uh, I got some uh, early lines on what ifs we're going to go over, which will be fun uh, from some major sharp books. So uh, what's happening, Mike? Costi, sorry. Konstantin um, Mikhail Safir. Is that the good Ukrainian Russian accent or no? It's really, it's Koistya, right? Mm, mm, Say it right. No. Say it right. No. Koistya? Konstantin, Konstantin Safir. And then in Russian, you say Koistya, right? Koistya. Well, it's just like the Koistya. nickname for my full name, but. Got it. You know. Got it. Same thing as Kosti. Got it, got it, got it, got it. People, it, it, people that don't have a uh, a Russian dialect, they have trouble rolling um, the Y's with their tongues. Right. So, you know, like every other language, it's got its capabilities. Yeah, it's like, as long as you're Ukrainian, you say it differently. Yeah, so. I get it. But no, I man, I was my father... very excited. What's that? No, I was going to say my father can't say TH. So he, he speaks Queen's English. So instead of saying thank you, he says thank you. Like a F A N K. So he, and he can, one of the hardest sounds to make, uh, Greek speakers know this is the TH sound. We're teaching not only about sports, about linguistics, because you have to bite yeah. your tongue to make the TH sound. But anyway, without that, without further sure. ado, thank you. Sure they weren't, I'm sure they wouldn't, uh, they weren't ready to talk about language, uh, differences coming on to the show. But, you know, early in the show, people always come in late, similar to a lot of the YouTubes that we do on Pick Dogs. That now the beginning of the show is, is just to get the, the subscribers to actually get here before we get into the, the meat and potatoes of some picks and some good knowledge and some, some really good stuff on the, on the board today. So, but little playback from the weekend. As you know, I was in person for the Baltimore Ravens versus the Houston Texans game. It was by far the coldest game I've ever been to. Probably anything that I've actually 
been outside. I'm not a skier or a snowboarder for whatever reason. My parents never took me because they weren't skiers or snowboarders. And then my friend, whatever oh, the reason is. Hilar- your, dad, your dad's hilarious. I gave him the pitch that he's Ukrainian. He should never get cold. He says, well, I'm from Crimea. It was like Southern California. Well, I'm not used to the, right. the kids rolling around right. in the snow. Right. No, we definitely had snow, but it was seasonality just like Baltimore. It wasn't any different. It was really cold in the winter. Or at least when I came here back in the early 90s, we had really, like, really cold winters and a lot of snow. And then this this year was the first time we had snow in probably five, six years. Um, but it, it was similar to here, fall, spring, summer, in the area that we grew up in. So, you know, when I came here, I got off track. You got me talking about Crimea. Right. Oh, so good game. The game. Very cold. But we got the W. Um, I, I I had a lot of people texting me at halftime. Clients, um, guys that we do the, the shows with on YouTube. You're done. They blew their load. You had your chance. And I'm sitting there. One, I had to respond and say, I can't keep taking off my gloves to keep texting because my hands are freezing. Like literally I'm, I'm, I'm going to get frostbite. So I said, I'll text you after the game. But in my mind, going in with the game plan was run the ball, get rid of the ball quick, three-step drops. If you're going to do that, you're going to win the game. Well, in the first half, that wasn't the case. No matter what the – I know statistically, Eric – the hangover versus rest is usually 50-50. There's no advantage one way or the other over time. So, but for whatever reason, the Ravens, it matters because we haven't had that much rest. This is only the second time we've ever had a bye. So the first time we had a bye was the Tennessee game where Derrick Henry came into Baltimore Ravens M&T Bank Stadium in 2019 when the Ravens had a 13-3 and record and wrecked us from the start, and we couldn't recover. This time, the defense is so much better that regardless of how inconsistent the Ravens were in the first half scoring the ball, the defense kept us really giving up three points the whole game, but gave up three points in the first half and the other seven came from a punt return touchdown. So I I know with the new coordinator, he always makes changes at halftime, something that we did not have with Greg Roman as a previous coordinator, and he did exactly that. He came out of the half. We got the ball. I think missing that field goal by the Texans definitely gave us more momentum that we're still in the driver's seat, tied the game 10-10 at half. I pounded them in the second half, minus six and a half. I thought that was just a no-brainer, knowing that this is it. Like, you only have two quarters for Lamar to prove that he could win in the playoffs, for the Ravens to advance. I mean, there was so much on the line there at home, being a tie game, that it, it was almost criminal for them to make it under a touchdown. Not that it would have mattered if they would have made it eight and a half or nine and a half, but... Still, six and a half, I thought was a really soft number, so I hammered it. The the three guys I was with did the same thing, and boom, came out of the half. What do we do? One, two, three-step drops, get the ball out of your hands. Run the ball. And they did that for the entire second half. They controlled the clock. They scored points in the, in, you know, in the red zone, which is important. And then they made 
the Texans become one-dimensional. And when you make a team one-dimensional against a number-one-ranked defense in the league, they're going to have mistakes. They're going to have a lot of pressure because now the, the defensive line isn't worried about running the, you know, for the Texans to run the ball. The linebackers are now sitting back. They're not worried about protecting the run. And really, it's just blitzing and just overmatching Stroud. Even though we didn't sack Stroud, this is coming, which is people will look at it and say, oh, you didn't sack him. You're the number one, you know, number one sacking team in the league this year. Doesn't matter. You don't have to get the sack if you're getting pressure and he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and he's constantly throwing incomplete passes. So, regardless, got the job done 34 to 10. Now we welcome Kansas City. Kansas City for an AFC championship for the first time since 1970, back when there was the Baltimore Colts. There's going to be an AFC championship at home in Baltimore. So I'm very excited. I'm going to the game as well. So how much did we invest in the last two matchups? The acquiring minds want to know. Well, I mean, it's, it's all relative because considering this game. So here's, here's the funny dilemma that I had. So my wife is a huge Taylor Swift fan and her man crushes is Travis Kelsey, you know, her hall pass, right? So she, I don't think she's watched. I mean, she watches the Ravens with me, but she doesn't really watch it. Like, she's not really dialed in. And during the Bills-Kansas City game, I wasn't at home. Um, she was texting me. I'm so nervous. Oh, my God. This is the back and forth. This is so much anxiety. I said, welcome to my life. Every client that I talk to has that same anxiety except me. <laughs> except me. Because she wanted, she wanted Kansas City to win so bad. And truthfully, I wanted them to lose because I didn't have to pay for an extra ticket to this game. Ah. So, so Kansas City cost me money for the AFC championship because had it been the Bills, she wouldn't have cared, wouldn't have went. But now, you know. So the answer is it's a lot. It wasn't cheap. So let's She's talk a, about, first of all, before upper, we get into the setting psychology, yeah. let's talk about future lines, what-if lines. So... I actually have the what-if lines, so I'm going to ask you what you think. Now, do you already have the lines on all the options of all the games? I have the lines. So do you have them? If not, I'm going to question you on the air. What you, I'm going to have you, you make the line. the NFL? Yeah. yeah. I have every – no, 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 no. For the Super Bowl, I have all potential odds for every matchup that's potential. I don't care so, about the Super Bowl. I mean, we, we're not oh, wait, 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 wait. But I, I, this is, goes back to your Ravens. Of who you want. So let me ask you this. Who do you, who would do you want to play? Who would you, what's the easiest team to play? Detroit. But, but all right, you nailed it. So I'm going to just skip ahead. So here's how it works. If the Ravens played Detroit, Dave's listening in Tampa Bay, probably ready to strangle me from Detroit. Uh, sorry, Dave. If the Ravens play Detroit, Ravens are minus five, four and a half. And the line's 50 and a half. That's the line that's already set from uh, the Superbook in Vegas. They, so they would be the biggest favorite is the Ravens so far in this. In the, so in terms of any possible matchup, the biggest favorite, highest point spread is only that option. Ravens minus four and a half, totals 50 and a half. Thank you. Um, the second option is if the Chiefs play Detroit, 
Chiefs will be minus three. Same total, 50 and a half. Okay. If the, if the 49ers play the Chiefs, the 49ers will be two and a half on the opening number. Now, we understand lines move. San Fran mm-hmm. minus two and a half with a total of 46 and a half. Now, here's the barn burner. The most likely scenario is the last scenario. San Francisco playing the Ravens. They make San Fran minus one, and the total's 47 and a half. So let's go. Before we get, I like it, though. I'll take it. It makes no sense. The the most likely scenario is the Ravens are a one-point dog. Yeah, but it makes makes no sense. You're doing a neutral field, and we destroyed the 49ers with a – they had everybody. Now, granted, they had injuries during the game and guys like that, whatever. But, I, I mean, one is basically a pick So, regardless of how you swing it, I mean, I could see the line. I could see okay, once again, it opens up. Again, opening number. This means nothing. This is no, I know, but I'm saying it really is a meaningless number simply because, one, you don't know who's going to come out with injuries. Um, so... You don't know who's going to be, you know, who's going to get hurt this weekend, which could definitely sway the line. So yeah, I mean, from a from a outlook standpoint, I mean, I could have guessed those numbers. Those are pretty standard. I mean, the Lions four and a half. It's about right because when they played the Ravens, it was the Ravens at home. They were a little higher, and they beat them. They beat. I mean, we the Ravens have beaten two out of the three teams remaining already. They just haven't right. played the Chiefs yet. So, I don't know. I mean, I it's I don't like to look ahead. There's no. I mean, I know. Look, we're in this business, and everybody wants, especially the Super Bowl. I mean, for the last twenty well, years. Well, you say you don't like to look ahead, but we already have sharps that have already bet the NFL three days ago for this weekend. So again, our whole job I'm is talking to about this the, week. It's not about I get next it. three weeks from now got to win this week so the the forecast of the numbers um in theory sounds good um i don't know i don't know i'm just i got it listen i'm 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 dialed into this week as long as we win this week you know a lot of opportunities for the super bowl you know how the super bowl is the super bowl is an entertainment See, event i mean we know it's supposed to rain this weekend but you know uh, again the irony of this matchup is, you know, it's just, I, I do view it like the Bills matchup, which I don't think Kansas City is, and I know you don't want to hear this, like, I don't think they're going to punt. So it's, can we keep up and score every time we have the ball? So every time they, they, they have the ball, they're going to score. The question is, are we going to score every time we have the ball? And like I said to a friend of mine that lives in Buffalo, while the game was going on, I said, they can't punt. They punt once, they lose this game. And so, they, they, you know, the other team never punted. And basically, if you look at the Bills matchup, Kansas City never punted. The Bills punted twice. Um, and that was really the difference in the game. And every time Kansas City had the ball, they actually scored, which is why I'm more inclined to lean to the over in this matchup. Because regard, And, again, I know we already have pro plays. And, again, for people that are listening, we're bantering. We're not giving out picks. For anybody that wants free picks, uh, go on the Internet and, Go to pick dogs and watch all the videos and get all the free picks that you can to your heart desires. I love the fact that the total is so low. It's 44 and a half. They're acting like this is going to be some defensive matchup. This is not going to be a defensive matchup. This is whoever scores last. 
Well, you, the, it could be the history. You're talking about the Ravens-Kansas City game? Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the history of the head-to-head. I mean, the last matchup was 80, uh, 71 points. The matchup before exactly. was 54 points. The matchup before was 61 points. And the matchup before was 51 points. I'm going back to 2015. The last time we had a right. low-scoring game was in 2012. And, and we know back in 2012, there was no Ravens offense. That's when, And right. there was no Patrick Mahomes. So it's pointless to even go back that far. But from the first matchup with Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes, which was in 2018, they're all close games except the one in 2020. Um, Ravens what's won the, the one, one that in 2021. I, what's the one that I lost? What's the one that I lost? I, I drove an hour to West Virginia, made a bet, and then I was happy I didn't have to drive back to cash the ticket. They won in overtime. It was the Kansas City. Kansas City, I think, won Kansas in overtime, Kansas City won right? 27-24. You got it. But Baltimore was, was favored by six and a half that game. Uh, don't worry. I remember. I had to get approval from the clerk to make a five-dime bet like I was betting five million Um it was when the sports book just opened and these guys weren't used to people walking in and not betting $20 parlay tickets. And, uh, but you know, different time, there was no apps on the phone, but let's talk, let's, before we get to the second game, we'll break down. Let's, let's talk about, you know, fundamentals in sports betting. A lot of people, when they watch these videos, they don't understand the difference between syndicate betting and handicapping. So since you are fully integrated with Micah and Dave and all the other unnamed groups, and myself with Troy. How how would you define the difference between, because a lot of people don't even know the lingo or the terminology. You know, when people ask about handicapping, as a guy that's been doing this for 35 years, handicap what? I don't handicap. So how do you define the difference between handicapping versus syndicate edge betting? Well, so with handicapping, you're just basically taking somebody's opinion based on their their own analytics. So if somebody has their own unless analytics... You're, unless, unless you're using database-driven stuff like Al and Troy, but that's completely different. So but this that's is, we're still, talking about it, it is, traditional handicapping. Throwing in, they're still throwing in their own version and their own angle of their opinion based on their data, whether they have 40 years of data sitting in a, in a box like Troy that could just click a button and then everything populates. And then based on that, he, he puts in a sizable wager based on the confidence. And then with Al, it's even more diverse because with Al, he has 40 years of data and then it's situational handicapping on top of it. So a lot of his stuff is right. And, 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 and to a, preface that, for the, and here's and, and to preface that, one of the defining things with him is three people in the world have this database and only three. It's been written up in ESPN. He's been offered over a million dollars for the database. He won't sell it. And the three people that have the database are all situational handicappers and all arrive at completely different selections based upon what they feed it because you have to update it with injuries and trends, et cetera, and weather. You know, so it's not as simple as plug and play you have this black box, like Troy's a little different. Troy has a black box, right? completely different, which is why nobody deals with Troy and nobody buys Troy unless you're, you know, you're worth, you got your own Learjet and you can afford to deal with Troy. Otherwise you're not, you're not even, it's not, it's a non, there's nothing to discuss. Um, but with guys like Al, where 
you know, he's dealing with six figure betters and higher. He's, he can, you can literally get access to three opinions from that database, but you know, they all have a different angle. So there is more to it than just like hitting a button versus Troy's, you know, there's auto AI betting kind of like what I call Troy's just, he doesn't have an opinion. He's not using, like, I've never once heard him use the dirty word in sports betting, which is I like the guy likes nothing. He's like me. He's a robot. Um, where Al does like, and the other people that have access to Al's database does like. So it, two different ways to skin a cat with the same technologies. Well, there is. And and the syndicate betting is, is much more unique because these groups I mean, I just are made, falling I just in love. Four play, well, perfect examples. I just made four plays this morning in golf. I don't know anything. I'm just getting these from bet, betting syndicates, and I'm just well, putting it's, them it's, in. There are, well, you do know. You have the connections to the groups. That's what you do know. Well, uh, exactly. You don't have to have the knowledge of the actual and statistics and player knowledge like I do. You're connected. So w- when these groups are – the groups that we deal with that are professional betting groups, their biggest challenge is not winning. Their biggest challenge comes down to getting money down across different platforms on their selections. So when they run out of that capability, they realize because betting is legalized now and you have all these different accounts and all these different states that honestly, every state operates on its own module. So a a price and fan duel in Maryland is going to be a different price, a fan duel in Maine, or, and I'm just making that up. I'm just, just saying a state in general, you're going to have different pricing across the board. So what happens is these groups that are putting down money on these games, it's not hurting them. Their price is not being drawn down because usually the price gets Moved down, not because of the public primarily, especially on these sub-market sports like tennis and golf and college basketball totals and these, you know, and, and basically the added game side on the sports book, not the major teams and the right, major the power game. conferences and the extra games. So what happens is they're able to give the games to clients and it doesn't hurt their price because they know that the clients that are getting them, 99% of the clients are not pros and they're smaller. They're betting in their own independent markets. And we've tested this for the last couple of years and it doesn't hurt their price. So these betting groups don't have time to deal with clients one-on-one. They don't have time to pick up the phone and consult the client like you do and give them a well, scope we're, change, of we're changing that, but we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll change right. we'll change but that it's the scope and expectation that you get because not only do we provide you with a, a a system where we give you the games, the delivery method is so unique, where these groups are banging games in real times, betting them, and then we're posting them on our private Telegram channel for clients that are subscribers that could be getting them in real time. And some channels, some of these guys are giving out games at five, six in the morning because that's when the lines, and they can get bigger pricing down on those numbers and the numbers are advantageous to them. Some groups 
are waiting an hour before game time because the public wants to move the line. So everybody has a different way of attacking the markets. And we're just the middlemen of basically we're connected to some of the biggest betting groups in the world. Now listen, I, mean, I, I just got two, I just got two plays. Uh, I, I bet you can't tell me where these leagues are. Santa Tecla versus Sede Dragon and Sol de America against Guarani Asuncion. Ecuador and Paraguay soccer, soccer. this afternoon. Nah, I, so now what I, I mean, I'm pretty, so here's what I, I'm pretty, so here's what happened. I'm pretty hip with soccer. So like they, they went like nine and one yesterday in soccer, right? So why didn't I release these to my guys? Because then I go check the markets and just like the golf today, a lot of people can't access the golf is then it becomes a scenario of, can you even get this market? So what a lot of people don't realize, a lot of these legal sports books don't have access to every market like the offshores do. The offshore has been around much longer. They're dealing with an international clientele. Remember, if somebody's betting at Pinnacle, which doesn't even take wagers in the United States, they're dealing with the global market. So you have a scenario where sure. you have the new legalized wagering, but they understand that the, um, I don't want to say the IQ, yeah, I'll say it, the IQ of, uh, of, of the American sports better is probably, you know, they're in first grade. European sports bettors are in college. So what they do is they, they offer only the available things that they're interested in as opposed to the things that they can take advantage of. Where I'm searching accounts and I'm getting you know access to global markets, and the reality is, is like if you're limited to elite, it's funny. Listen to what I'm going to say. If you're limited to wagering legally now, you're actually limited with your opportunities because the big markets, and I'm not going to name these publicly traded sports books, know that there's soft numbers on these obscure sports and leagues. They don't even give you the opportunity to play them. So, for instance, you could take soccer for an example, and you take something like Italia Serie A, Italia Serie A. Well, but they're not going to have uh, the second, the Segunda Division. They're not going to have the Tercera Division. They're not going to have these little leagues that these other sharp offshore or European books have. So now what I'm seeing is I'm, there's this internal battle between professional betting syndicates that actually have access to winners and then the North American better, which let's be honest. And for you guys listening, it's no, it's no disrespect. The dumbest betters on the planet are the North American betters, which is why the, the sports books are publicly traded, which is why they're never going to not have a quarter where they don't make profit. Uh, you know, and I'll refer to a conversation I had yesterday uh, with, with, you know, what I like to call dumb money. It's funny. I was watching um, just my little rant. I was watching, and I don't know if you watch it. You saw Sean had this poster in his office. I was watching. I did uh, see that. I, I'm, uh, one of my clients, Massimo, and I have a little thing going. He's in Canada. Uh, I'm cycling every day for a year, 365 days a year, unless I'm out of town on the indoor trainer outside as a cyclist. And we keep challenging each other. And so I need something to watch. Who's so I winning? I went on Who's winning right now. Right now we're equal. I'm 20. I cycled yesterday every day since now, I was a guys, day late. You guys have a, you're on the same app where you could see what you guys are doing. Yeah, but there's no equal because he's 30 and I'm 51 next week. So he's only next, 30. Next week. Yeah, he's a beast. I didn't realize he was that young. The guy's a beast. But anyway, the point is, is that um, that's not fair. Um, that's not fair. It's not fair. But anyway, I, I look. I do twenty miles, ten, twenty miles. I'm in better shape than when I was 
40. So anyway, long story short, I'm, I need something to keep me busy while I'm on the indoor trainer because it is boring on the indoor trainer. So I punched up uh, newly added on Netflix and I started watching Dumb Money. So I rode, you know, 30, 20, 30 miles through the whole movie is an hour and 45 what minutes. Was that? And that was a uh, GameStop one? Yeah, it's the story of the GameStop. Got it. So what, what it. you see is the same type of scenario, the parallels between the dumb money of the stock market, Wall Street bets community, and the dumb money of the sports betting community. It's literally the same. You're looking at women. Uh, they have this, uh, you know, it's obviously it's fiction, uh, you know, a nurse making 20 grand a year. She's put $2,000 in the GameStop. She's got like $400,000. She refuses to sell because it's going to go higher. Right. And so it's the same thing with the sports betting, which is, you know, I talked to clients, like I had this guy call me yesterday from uh, Boston, Boston. And you know, he, he's dumb money. He put in a little bit of money. He ran it up to 60,000 and he, I talked to him for an hour, which was a waste of my life that I can't get back, which I learned from. And now I'm changing my strategy. And what I realize is that if you look at the GameStop movie, and I recommend people watch it, it's a good movie. Um, Pete Davidson was in it. A couple other guys were cameos in it. Is It's all about taking a little bit of money and turning it into a lot of money. And then there's no reality of how much money that is because it wasn't the original money that you put in versus syndicate money, smart money, there's a real different parallel. The different parallel is when you're a syndicate, you're starting with large money, right? So you're making a small amount of money on a large mound of money versus putting in a little bit of money, turning it into a large amount of money. So you see these, you knew how it was going to end at the end of the movie. The lady has 500000 She could pay off her house. She could buy or put money in her way for her kid's college fund. You know what happened. They show net worth at the end of the minute, minute uh, the movie when they're running the credits, Costi. So the woman was like at plus six hundred eighty-five thousand net worth minus thirteen thousand. Net worth minus thirteen thousand. That's dumb money. Dumb money is when you're trying to hit. And again, I understand the parlaying. I understand it's fun, um, but from a syndicate betting point of view. You know, one of the things that I realized yesterday talking to this client is that, uh, not client, potential, whatever, is that the sports books are set up for the dumb money. I call it, a sports book is no different than the Robin Hood, basically. The, it, it's nobody withdraws money. You know, the, I think there's a statistic for people that are listening. I think something like 0.04% of all sports gamblers make withdrawals from their sports book. Can you imagine that? So that means no matter how much wealth you accrue in your app, just like in the movie in the Robin Hood app, you never withdraw the money, right? Or you hyper with, or you're on the other side of dumb money, which is you hyper withdraw the money where you never allow your bankroll to get bigger. So as someone who's been dealing with high net worth individuals, we were, I was just talking to one of the guys, you know, one of our clients, he's, what did he He's paying $36,000 for two Super Bowl tickets, and he's flying in on his Learjet to go to the game. And he said if the Ravens go, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll throw us into the mix, which I think he will. Um, that'll be fun if that actually happens. But <clears throat> a guy like him is a perfect example. He, you know, he funds an account with $3 million, And if he makes 10% a month on his money, which is $300,000, he's happy. He's not putting 300000 in his account trying to make $3 million. And so I think what the problem is, is what I realized, like when I did the video this morning on pick dogs, 
and I've already had a lot of good responses. I realize most people don't want to actually learn. A very small percentage of people do not want to be dumb money. Most of the people enjoy being dumb money because of the dopamine, the two letters that begin with dumb and dopamine, D and D. I call it D and D, dumb and dopamine, same thing. You, they got to get that hit of being right. Of, it has nothing to do with actually winning because when you elect, when you tokenize money and you're not walking to a casino and you're not wagering with cash, you don't actually feel the money. And so the tokenization of the stock market in the movie is you're just seeing this number on your Robinhood app go up and up and up and up and up. And, it, and then you have like, somebody paying the protagonist saying, sell, man, sell. That's real money you could pay your bills with. And you're looking at it, it's just not real. And so I guess because I'm so old and I come from the old fly to Vegas to make a wager once a week, literally, I, I mean, t- Costi, tell the viewers, how often did I have a pre-pandemic, how often was I on an airplane to Vegas from Baltimore to bet? I mean, you were, you were consistent once a month. Consistent. Right. Every month. 12 betting, months a year. Yeah. 12 months a year, 52, basically 16 weeks a year in Las Vegas. Um, that changed post pandemic. Um, but you know, we're, we're going to actually be going back in March. It's going to be, we're going to have a pick dogs powwow with uh, a Mitch and all of our high rollers. That'll be fun. But th- back to the dumb money analogy, which is you can't help dumb money because as long as you view the money as a video game, that's all it is. It's a video game. And so what I did is I decided, just like if you go to my website, ericpathy.com, and you look, I, on the beginning of the year, changed my format where I only deal with clients that have a minimum of $10,000 bankroll, trying to eliminate kind of like the dumb money scenario. Now, what, I'm, what I wind up finding myself is I'm talking to clients, my fault, not their fault, they, they're calling and I'm accepting the call, that have fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 in their account. And they have more in their account than they actually have in their real net worth because they took a small amount of money and playing it the GME way using terms like I'm on a heater and I'm hot and I'm reading the lines good. All this, I call it sports betting witchcraft uh, to no, uh, you know, to no fault of their own. They got lucky. And instead of hitting the sell button, they're going to just keep going till they lose. So what I decided Yesterday was after this conversation, which infuriated me, and he didn't do anything wrong. It was all me allowing my time to be wasted as I use things as a learning experience. So now what I'm doing is you can't talk to me unless you pay me. I'm a sports betting shrink. You're going to pay me one an hourly rate like you would pay a lawyer, like you would pay a shrink. I, I don't, I've, I've not gone to a shrink. I know several people that go. They pay hundreds of dollars an hour. And then if that client... Because in reality, what most people want on the original one-hour consultation call is they want to be told what they're doing wrong. Then it's up to them to decide if they want to make it right. You could be fat. You could sit down with a nutritionist for an hour. They could tell you all the right things. And then it's up to you to not eat a, a dozen Dunkin' Donuts. Back to D&D. Everything's, everything bad starts with the letter D. <laughs> so... I'm, I'm now taking on the role in 2024 is the sports betting shrink. Call me Professor Pathy. You want to talk to me, you're going to pay me. I have a new client that just joined this morning from Canada, Manitoba. He reached out. He watched the video. No nonsense. Consultation. Join. That, you know what? Better to deal with one guy a day like that who's going to treat his wagering as a business than what I call dumb money. 
Um, you still, you know, and I'm, I checked GameStop yesterday. It was like $15. It's like hilarious. This thing was at like $700. I've talked to sports gamblers that got caught up in that, Costi. They're still holding. Hmm. So you take the correlative effect from sports betting and you flip it to oh, that it's very crazy. Similar. It's very, it's very, very, very it's, it's almost synonymous. Anyway, I just wanted to send that out there. So for anybody that's looking to have their head adjusted, think of me like a chiropractor for your sports betting. I'll take your neck. I'll crack it. I'll twist it. I'll realign you for an hour. And then if you decide you want to do business, great. And if you don't, you won't. It's that simple because you get a lot of free information on the YouTube channel of Pick Dogs. You get a lot of free information with these radio shows because, again, look at our radio show. We don't sell anything. This is strictly free information for the last decade. We never, you know, we're not yelling at people to call us and subscribe and buy our picks. I will ask you uh, personally how you respond to this newfound uh, everyone who's a poker player is now a professional gambler marketing on like it. I'm not a poker player. You are. Um, is there any correlation between being a poker player and being a successful sports better? Um, I don't know if there's any, and again, I was joking. I'm just, I'm just speaking from an opinion. I don't think there's any correlation. It's completely different. How you tell everybody the story about the guy that tell everybody about the professional poker player we hired. We're not going to give his name. He was on a, he couldn't do any wrong. He was on a heater. How'd that work out? Remember, he picking, pick, playing poker. We had a guy here who does cash games. We, we hired him as to help us on the phones and talk to clients. Oh, and right. Well, that's what was, what, what was it when he went bad? What was his losing streak? He went from a heater when he went bad. He, he came here for cold. a job because he, but how long did he go cold for? It's like 18 months. Uh, I don't know. I think he said like eight to 10 sessions in a row, something like that. But the, the point of the story that every every professional poker player that I've talked to says it's not all glitz and glamour. It's very hard work. It's a grind. You spend 10 to 12 hours on the tables every day. That means you're just sitting every day just playing odds, and it's a full-time job. And a lot of the, – the cash players, I mean, I know there's guys out there. I mean, I get it if that's what you want as your lifestyle. It seems – on the outside, like, oh, well, this guy, I see him win all the time, but you also don't see those crazy losses. So and I've met plenty of them across, you know, 20 years of playing poker myself, but it's, it's not the lifestyle that I want. I mean, I know people expect in situations when they're playing poker to, to have a positive value because that's how I look at it. If you have a certain amount of odds, you're just playing the odds. If you know that there's five cards that beat you on the turn that could beat your hand, well, you're just playing the odds and the amount of money and risk in the pot. And then you're just, you're again playing the odds and still it could burn you. You could still get bad beat, but you're no poker player plays for the bad beat. They, they always get their money in good. And if the, if a card that is, you know, out of the 32 cards or however many hands are playing left in the deck. And there's two cards in that deck that could potentially hurt him. He's playing the odds that those cards are not going to land, but how it translates to sports betting. I think it's more of, I mean, look, anybody could be a professional sports better if they have the right coaching. I mean, 
if they get coached the right way and they understand how to find positive expected value out of bets and they know how to manage risk and they know how to get money down and they have the business side of it taken care of, then yeah, it's anybody could do that. But I think it's more so name recognition. And when somebody has name recognition in the, in the poker world, he's trying to be a professional pro gambler and he's going to turn a lot of his fans to, to follow suit because they already believe that he's a good poker player at making money. So I don't, again, I don't have any personal experience with that to, to give a real, you know, analysis. Is, is there a real correlation? I really don't know. Well, I but was being facetious. In my opinion. It's just, right. I mean, our, well, they our, business part, our business partner is an enigma, right? The guy's a, he could be a professional poker player, chooses not to, makes more money at sports betting, but he's a hit and run guy, right? He goes in there and he basically is a hustler. He was a pole hustler in college. He applies the same methodology to poker. He plays down to his competition, acts like he knows nothing, and then takes all the money. I've never heard. Have you ever heard Barry ever tell us he lost? He I've does. He loses a time, but he's, he, he's not a pro, meaning he'll play. He's a hit and run player. So what that means is he'll sit down at a table, he'll win a huge hand, and he's okay with that profit to end his run for the day and just leave. Right. He's not, right. he's just, he, he's in there <clears throat> for the strategy of winning short-term money. He loves that. And sometimes he'll sit there for six hours and make no money. Sometimes he'll sit there for six hours and lose at the last sec, but he's very tight. He's not a, a big time gambler in terms of taking a lot of risk. He likes to right. gamble, but he doesn't t- like take a lot of uncalculated risk. So he's very methodical and boring. If, if, some, if you're sitting at a table with him, it's very boring. You're, he's not going to get into a lot of hands and a lot of action. But you know, let's uh, we well, have thirteen let's, minutes let, left well, on let, the show. Let's, 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 let's break let's, down the game. Let's talk about this Lions matchup. So here's my attitude. I've said this. For 10 years in these championship or sub-championship situations, I don't buy into the point spread whatsoever. So if I'm betting the lines, Dave will like this. If I'm betting, if I was betting the lines, and I'm not currently have no wager on the game, there's only one bet I'm making. It's the money line. There's no reason to take seven. There's no reason to play a hard number where you basically can end the game 20, uh, 27, uh, 28 to 21 and push. So you got to man up in this situation. I, if you like, if you're backing the lines, unless it goes to seven and a half, which it's not, then you just take the lines on the money line. Otherwise, I, I just I'll, if, you're, if I'm, I feel you, I, I respect that, but I'm not a greedy better, and I would rather have the points in my back pocket. Yeah, but having to put the, end of the day for a put, you're playing for a push. Meaning that I'm not playing for a push because you're saying well, that to the seven, but I'd rather, I don't care. A push is not a loss. If it gets to that point. Well, you know me, I'm point, the money line king. I'm the money line king. So for me, okay. if that was, this would be for, I know, uh, uh, I don't want to say his name, our, 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 our man B, C, uh, in Michigan, he loves my 80-20s. This is an 80-20 spot where if I had to play Detroit, I would be playing Detroit, 80 on the spread, 20 on the money line. There's just no reason 
to lay to get to say I'm getting seven. Now, if you're getting seven and a half, completely understand. Then you have an opportunity to lose the game and actually make money. But I'm talking about fundamentals of not being a square better and not playing fear. I notice too many gamblers, and that's back to the square syndicate thing, is too many gamblers that are gamblers bet with fear they're worrying about losing because they have no money management, while guys like me don't have any fear, don't care about losing because it's just part of the game, right? Um, But you're always looking at your opportunity cost, which is why in baseball – Nobody can win more money for a client than the guy you're listening to right now. And that's been stated for 20 years um, because I only bet underdogs. So because I'm always looking to risk one to win more, in this situation, you could almost baseball size the playoffs where basically it's like, and honestly, even the Ravens game, you know, if you were back in Kansas City, just like the Bills game, there's no reason to take Kansas City plus three and a half. If you're backing the dogs, just take them to advance. Well, yeah, and I do right. believe, I, look, I do strongly believe um, that if you're going to take Kansas City, then the points don't matter because it's a short number. Uh, that game's different because they're evenly matched teams, and the only reason Ravens opened at three which I bet them at, um, is because it's home field advantage. It's really the only reason it's three. If they were at Kansas City, it would be flipped the other way. So Detroit, I'm not betting. I don't, I mean, I like Detroit early, but if I were to go heavy on them, especially if there was a money line involved, I need to see till Sunday because there's two key players for San Fran that might not play, one of which is the biggest key, is Debo Samuel. We see without Debo Samuel, Brock Purdy becomes just a regular quarterback. With Debo Samuel, you can't double everybody. So you can't double Brock Purdy. I mean, you can't double Brandon Ayuk. You can't double George Kittle. You can't double Debo Samuel. And then also worry about CMC in the backfield. You, you can't do all that. But what happens is when Debo went out in that game, San Fran, fairly early, I think it was the first quarter, you saw that they have no nobody else except Kittle and AU to stretch the field. Jennings is not going to be your Debo-type receiver. that could Because they're a motion team, and they're always motioning. And Debo's always running those motions. So if you can't keep the you know the defense on their heels they don't know what's coming it's much harder so i'm gonna wait if i see that debo is out of this game i'll i'll press the detroit money line but yeah but the line wait but the line one. will also move like you almost have to take it a, move, a it might ahead. move a point it might move maybe a point point that it's it's already factored in i don't think he's right now it won't matter there's still basically Detroit's been good on the road this year. They've actually been really good on the road. They're six and three on the road, and they're seven and two against the spread. The Niners have been terrible at home. They're three and six against the spread. Even though they're six and three at home, the numbers at home are so inflated that they're not able to cash at home. And then, but. So I'm going to wait and see on that game. But in the Ravens game, the Ravens are 7-3 and three at home this year. And two of those losses were 
pathetic. They were to the Browns that we lost late in the game because they played an incredible second half, and then we lost to the Colts, which was a nasty game in September where we were still figuring out our identity of the team. And it was a, I think the Colts had like three or four 50 plus yard field goals in that game. So that was, that was insane to begin with. So really the Ravens haven't been beat up or bullied by anybody this year. I'm not counting the Steelers game when we had all backups, but, but on the other hand, Kansas city is seven and two on the road. So they've been balling and they're usually not getting points. They're usually given points on the road because if they're playing teams in their division, they're usually maybe a one point favorite to maybe even more against like the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's pretty simple. The Rave, this is a statement game. The way that I see the game script for the Ravens is going to go. You have to attack early. You're going to have to challenge the, the running game of Kansas City, which is susceptible. They have a really good secondary, which is unique because they didn't really sign that many guys, just the guys on their team. They've, they've coached them up over the years, and now they're, they're playing stellar ball. And you have to be able to run the ball and establish the run and control the possession. And if you could, if you could do that, and on the other hand, stop Pacheco, our defense has been the best defense all year. Prove it to me in the biggest game these guys have ever been in in their entire lives. Mahomes has been there. Mahomes is in a sixth consecutive AFC championship, and he's won two Super Bowls and lost one. So he knows what happens at this stage of the game. That, but he's willing I mean, this game, to win. This game, this game is going to come down to – Punts and interceptions. Who punts the least and who throws the most interceptions? Well, I mean, course. you can say what you want. I'm sorry. Of course. Yeah, I believe. Well, it. because also it's going to be raining, so you know you're going to have the wipe the ball between snaps scenario. Um, and like I said, I will. Uh, the line went from three to three and a half. Now it's circa in Vegas. It's four. I, I have. Suspects suspect that a lot of major betting groups are delighted with that, and they're going to be buying back Kansas City plus four. Because why wouldn't you take Mahomes plus four? I mean, if you just are an alien and you fly in from outer space, why wouldn't you take uh, Kansas City plus but four? Three, three and four, three and four is a bad number. So unless they didn't bet it yet, for the groups that haven't bet the game, then yes, getting four is definitely a plus. But the, the public money right now is fairly even on this game. So it's not like the line's going up. Well, you have two, you have pub, two huge quarterbacks, right, that have a lot of backers. Right. But I'm just saying that the it's not one-sided. Like the line's moving one-sided, and I'm pretty sure – it's not that I'm pretty sure I know that the Sharps came in very early on Baltimore at three. Three and a half's a bad oh number. Oh, my God, Nobody's yeah. going to lay three and a half. It's in within, so, within seconds, right. Yeah. So, but the public right I now, and again, I think I sent you the line. The right, time. right when the game ended, they started pounding at minus three. Like they literally, they were walking okay. off the field. Guys were betting hundred dimes on Baltimore minus three, and then obviously now it went up. But you know, it's hard to move a game from three to three and a half. People don't realize how hard that is. They want to usually increase that spread to minus twenty cents. But it's hard to believe we got three minutes left in the show. 
Um, it is hard to believe March 29th, my time to shine is right around the corner. Are you getting excited for the, for, for hearing me talk about how you go 40% and make gazillions playing baseball every year? Are you getting excited or does that bore you? I'm so excited. Now yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped, but unfortunately because of so much content in the show, we're going to, we're going to save it. till after the Super Bowl. A lot of big things on the horizon in the baseball season. We locked up with some pretty big groups, so we'll get there. So with all that being said, let's talk about you, how you've been doing with your services, your selections, your sharp trading. we got three minutes. Tell the viewers. Well, I mean, between our, our NBA group, I mean, we're, we're totally dialed in. A lot of success. College basketball has been smoothly going well. Not really generating a ton of revenue, but it's not losing. A lot of pushes, uh, man, just getting juiced out over and over and over, it seems like, over the last couple of weeks. But aside from that, finishing the NFL strong, have two plays out for the weekend already at the early number, and then before you know it, it's going to be March Madness, tons of value. I mean, this is the time where you make money in February, end of January, conference when it's in the conference uh, play, which has just entered that at the end of January, uh, February and March are usually very big months for, for basketball, college basketball. And NBA is just consistent, man. So I'm very pumped. It's, it's a big time. Hey, of the year. Remember, one year, remember one year we had groups that were just killing it in college and then losing an NBA. And then, you know, you never know. Every year it's different. You know, every year it's different. You know, you, you think one thing's easy. That's why the whole notion of one sport being harder than the other is just such fantasy. It's just rationalization for clients that lose and say, oh, this sport's really hard. I don't like that sport. I'm not playing that sport. And we prove year over year it just doesn't even matter. You know what I mean? I'm looking at your overall record in the last in, in NBA. You're 158, I believe, with one group and 137 because of your money management. You're plus 100 and one units this NBA season. Mm-hmm. Wrap, wrap your brain around that. Dime betters up 101,000, and um, you're 53.6%. So that whole 70 to 80% nonsense gets thrown out of the window when you're playing the syndicate way as opposed to the, um, you know, the handicap way. With that being said, the music will probably be on in a moment. We'll be back next week. SportsInsiderRadio.com. With Jeremy Lowe. Saturday afternoon at 2 